Let's start with the, the mission strategy. Um, a little backgrounds in order here. 1996, I graduated from high school, and the elders of then Living Oaks Community Church, um, they made a decision that 10% of all the funds that come into the church would go towards missions, a minimum of 10%. So the way that it worked was that you, the congregation, would give to the church, and then the elders would take 10%, immediately chop off 10%, whatever that was, set it aside for missions, and then they would give it to the missions leadership team. And the missions leadership team then studied the situation and decided the best possible investments of that money. Okay? So this was actually, um, in some ways, th- this worked really well. Um, when I showed up um, 2010, we were giving away, you know, we were following this, we were giving away approximately $20,000. And at that time, um, it was going to, by and large, be invested very, very well on your behalf. It was being invested in very good missionaries, okay? Any questions? You got it? Good. Amen. Someone say amen. All right, so you're following me. So uh, so at that point, though, what happened was is, um, we started growing. And I noticed that by 2013, our budget had doubled and the amount we were giving to missions had doubled. And I started to project this in my mind. I started saying, you know, in a few years, we could be giving away tens of thousands of dollars. We could be giving away $100,000 plus a year. We could be giving away, I can, I can see in the not so distant future, we could be giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. This is a great thing, but there was one downside to the way we were running our mission strategy. I noticed that, that we were, when missionaries, like some of the most exciting missionaries on God's green earth would show up here, they were met with a resounding, oh, Yawn. And uh, not in any way do I mean this um, to make you guys, I, I don't want you to feel guilty or anything about this, but I noticed that there was, there was a part of the way we were structuring missions as we told you, you give money to us and then we're going to take your money and we're going to give it away for you. That you don't need to worry about missions, we're going to worry about it for you and then we want you to get excited about what we're doing for you. And so in that there was this, this, this uh, sense in which we were inadvertently developing a system where where no one in the congregation ever had to think about our missionaries, ever had to pray for our missionaries, ever had to care about global missions. In that process, I, I just came to the, the realization that in a few years' time, we could be at a point where we as a church are uh, giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars and have a church that could care less about missions. And I couldn't live with that. You know, if you follow that out just one generation later, what you have is you have all your children grow up who don't care about global missions, and then you stop supporting missions entirely. So, we sat around and said, okay, what are we going to do about this? This is a problem that we have to address now as we're growing, or otherwise the problem will become out of our reach. So, we, uh, I spent a year, and um, I threw out all kinds of really bad ideas. You have to take bad ideas to get to good ideas. Ken Letters almost killed me a couple times. Um... And in that process, worked with the elders, and we came up with the solution, a, a new strategy that I, I don't know if it'll work, but frankly, we're going to try something so that we can become a church that doesn't just give away money, but is passionate about God's global mission. We are going to become a church that prays for our missionaries. 
We're going to become a church that prays that our children will receive the high calling of going to the other side of the world to tell people who have no access to the gospel, tell them about Jesus. We're going to do that or I'm going to die trying. Here's our three-part strategy. It's really simple. We call this um, a chord of three strands, okay, for memory's sake. This is uh, from uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12. A chord of three strands is not easily broken. We have three parts that are inextricably tied together in this. The first is our long-term missionaries. We're As a church, we're going to continue supporting long-term missionaries and investing your money in them because we feel we have to. They are absolutely the best investment dollar for dollar, okay? So we're going to continue doing that, but we're going to add to this individual support. We are going to ask every one of you, if you are a, if you give to GVF, we want you to be also giving personally to a missionary. Now, some of you already are, and that's great. We want to encourage you in that. But if you're not, we want you to specifically support one of our missionaries. And if you're saying, but Paul, I don't have any extra money to give. That's okay. We want you to take the first 25 or $50 that you would give to us per month and we want you to give it to the missionary instead. We're serious about this, okay? If you're sitting there and saying, wait, wait, I, do, I can't, I don't give you any money. How, I can't be part of this. That's okay. Prayer costs nothing. We want you to commit to praying for one of our missionaries. Every single one of us, we want them, us to be individually supporting our missionaries. We want you to go through the process of sorting through it, praying through it, asking God to lead you which missionary you should support, and then taking the time to read their newsletters, make the monthly payments, be part of what they're doing. And the last, certainly not least, is that we want to develop corporate partnerships. As a church, we want partnerships where we could see dozens initially, and in the future, hundreds of us get sent out regionally and globally to actively be involved in what God is doing around the globe. And that is why Dan Kalau is here to tell us about our first formal partnership we have in Pestera, Bulgaria. Well, I don't know why Paul doesn't think uh, this might not work because at least part of it's working yeah. uh, now. And I'll get into that here in a minute. But, you know, missions and evangelism is hard work. Ask any missionary. I'm sure they'd be uh, glad to share that with you. But it really takes building a relationship and mm. we all know you know how we go through life we build relationship and it's no different than how we go out in, into the world and uh, a few weeks ago Bob and Becky Faber uh, came here and shared their heart and their ministry for uh, the Balkans which includes uh, missions uh, ministry in uh, Bulgaria uh, Macedonia and Greece and I know their heart is stretching bigger beyond that and so their heart for the uh, at-risk kids and for really an unchurched uh, area, uh, I think, came out loud and clear. And so we went last year as kind of a, t a test, a group of people here from GVF, and we uh, worked side-by-side by, side by an individual, Cosio, which I'll touch on him in a minute, but uh, he was a local who got impacted by Bob and Becky Faber ministry there. And Bob and Becky have been there about uh, 10, 15 years, U.S. Uh, uh, missionaries, uh, ministry called Salt Ventures. And so uh, they talked a lot about their ministry itself. But as we looked about going out and doing number three here, uh, putting together a corporate partnership, uh, we essentially came together with a five-year plan uh, in working with the favors. And it all revolves around service, community, friendship, 
and te uh, preaching and teaching. And what that really looks like is last year we went on this trip and we did a service project. We were supposed to build a, a playground, didn't work necessarily work out that way. But what we did is we started building a relationship with the community so they can identify who we are. In the community phase, which is what we're going to go back there this year for, is again, do another service project, hopefully build the playground this year, but also to start to develop some uh, small groups and let them know that, hey, we're kind of in this for the long term. And then when you get to the friendship stage in year three, you're really moving on beyond the service project. You're starting to work in small groups, starting some discipleship groups. And then in year four, when you're to the uh, teaching uh, phase, I'm sorry, the preaching phase, is when you can start to have openly evangelistic uh, group meetings and community meetings. This is where the uh, town uh, welcomes you in, uh, open arms, and, and lets you kind of run your program for these kids. And then the fourth is the teaching, where VBS becomes very important, small groups and also discipleship groups. So this is the, the five-year plan that we have put together, and we're really excited. And I have to tell you, here's the impact, and here's what I'm most excited about. I mentioned Cosio. This is an individual who is a local for Pestra. He, he grew up in Pestra and was impacted by the ministry of, of Bob and Becky. Well, he's gone back, and he has a heart for the kids in Pestra and also his community in his church. And working alongside of him, you can see his passion for that. I'm excited about working with Cosio in that area. I'm also excited about working with the teachers. When we first showed up, it was kind of like, you know, who are these people? They're on you know, a different planet. And over the week, we developed this relationship with the teachers who just wanted to welcome us with open arms. And uh, it allowed uh, Bob and Becky to start programs in the school, teaching English and a few other things. And so they, they opened us with, you know, just opened up their arms. And as a matter of fact, on the last day, we were going to have a, a, a welcome or a goodbye barbecue. They put it on for us. Uh, they made a lot of the local food, and they just welcomed us with open arms. They were really excited about it. Another thing I'm really excited about is developing the relationships that we already started. There's the Heat Hotel, yes. It's the local hotel that we were at. It's owned by a Muslim. At the end of the week, he came to us and said, what else can we do to help you guys? And I know Bob and Becky are working with uh, some uh, with the manager there to bring some interns to cook and learn to cook at the Heat Hotel. So he's kind of welcomed us with open arms. And, and personally for me, I kind of developed a little relationship with the owner of the uh, local coffee shop there. And you can talk about coffee later, but uh, going back there and, and just being able to talk and start to build those relationships. Foreigners, Westerners are really uh, a, a novice to those in the Balkans. They're really interested in it. So how can you help us? Number one, come. Come this year, think about next year, pray about it. We'd love to have you. Number two, do pray for us. Uh, we got a group going so far. I think we're about eight strong. We'd you know, love to get another five or eight people. It would be great. Uh, if you need any information, just see me. And thirdly, as Paul said, support the ministry. 